Well, hello and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for us to take a deep breath of truth and encouragement because we all have messes in our lives, whether it's your toddler who just spilled an entire box of goldfish all over the floor, or maybe you're just doing your best to juggle work and home and school and life right in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe you found yourself caught in a cycle of anxious thoughts or struggling through a complicated relationship or sorting through some kind of difficult decision or fighting for contentment during this especially chaotic time. Whatever the mess, whatever your story, I wanna invite you to join me in clinging to Jesus's words. Right before he left earth, right before he sent his spirit, he said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, I'm Jen Jewell, and I have the joy of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new episode into your speakers, your earbuds, every other Tuesday. And today, I have an incredible friend and co-host back with me as well, the lovely Amy Groeschel. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we just so happen to be gearing up for our annual sisters event. Yet, due to COVID, as everything's due to COVID these days, we're taking the event online which yes, I realize is different, but it also has some significant perks. Like you can attend from anywhere. You can gather a few friends in your home or you can watch from the couch in your pajamas. So this event will go live on October 21st and October 22nd, and there will be worship. Our own Amy Groeschel will be sharing a powerful message from First Peter on how we can rise up and stand firm during times of uncertainty. So mark your calendar and you can stay up to date at life.church slash sisters. But as always, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what church you call home or what you're facing at this exact moment, we are truly just so honored you're here. And I'm super excited to tell you that today's guest for episode 87 is the Allie Bergen. Allie's just one of those people who lights up any room, who can make you feel known and cared about the moment you meet her. She's wise and gracious and loving and humble. She's worked years in the business world, has done time at home with her babies, and is currently on staff at our church. But if you were to meet her and feel that warm smile, you would have no idea that she actually grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home. A home where her mom left when she was young, where her dad constantly battled with alcohol. You wouldn't know that she's walked through an unanticipated divorce, navigated life as a single mom, cared for a dying parent, or that she's a hardcore overcomer. The Bible uses the phrase patient endurance. And if that's not a word for 2020, I am not sure what is. Y'all, I learned so much in this conversation, and I think you will too. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Amy and me for a chat with Allie. Allie, welcome to The Messy Table. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. We're so glad you're here. So Allie is so near and dear to my heart. She's been near and dear to those that are entrenched into the Life Church family. <laughs> and because she's been on our Life Church team for a number of years, mm-hmm. um, many, many years ago, and now just came back on, just now hitting a year mark as my assistant Ooh, and it is the been cool, exciting yeah it's been the coolest gift but anyway i'll let you talk more about that in a second ally but i just wanted our listeners to know that you're in for a treat ally is not only just phenomenally impressive professionally but she is really just such a lover of jesus and you have so much fruit from mm-hmm. that and wisdom and an orchard. And, oh, yes. Oh gosh, oh gosh. I hope so. 
<laughs> so truly, and that didn't come without some mess, some trials, some storms. Um, but who you are is just so beautiful. And you have a fantastic testimony to share. It has made you into this beautiful, fruitful woman that you are. So I would love for everyone just to get an idea of who Allie Bergen is. Mm. Thank you so much. I just don't even know how to start with kind words like that. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me that every morning when I wake up. <laughs> it would be wonderful to start my day like Side that. Side note, she was like getting everybody waters a second ago. And I'm like, Allie, sit down. You're the guest. <laughs> That's right. It's your turn. Uh, well, I really do appreciate those words. It's true. I've um, had such a wonderful time professionally at Life Church, but really, like the life that I have led these last 20 years has really pointed to what Life Church has provided me mm. personally. So, awesome. well, let me just say, first of all, I have been married almost 16 years mm. to the most wonderful man in the whole wide world. <laughs> he is a great guy. Yes. His name is Jerry Bergen, and we have three beautiful children, uh, one 13-year-old son named Eli, and then we have two from my previous marriage. We have a 20-year-old daughter named Sierra, and we have a 17-year-old son named Pierce. And they're the coolest kids I've ever met, and I'm so glad they're mine. <laughs> so that's just a little bit about my family. So what do you love to do? I love to garden. I'm outside a lot mm. and with my hands in the dirt. I love to listen to audio books. I love to really just be with my family, too. I have the biggest kick out of just watching their personalities interact and laugh and just hang out at home with them. This whole COVID mess really yeah. has, for me, brought out some really neat things being with my family. We, we like to watch a lot of movies together. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure I could go on for days for what I, I love to do, but that's basically like you could either find me outside in the garden or with my AirPods in my ears listening to a yeah, book yeah. while I'm doing dishes. It's no joke. So what yes. have you planted that you're harvesting around this time? Uh, well, right now we still we have tomatoes, peppers, all the herbs that mm -hmm. you can mm -hmm. mention. I try to find if it's not at one store, I'm at another store trying to find all the herbs that they're in the early season. We have um, zucchini, we have sunflowers and zinnias and there's she knows every, every plant. Of my house. Every time I admire a plant, a tree, a leaf, anything that has to do with botany, Allie knows the name. It's incredible. <laughs> and so, like professionally, you've had some different jobs. Just if you want to mention a couple of the things that you've done. Oh sure. Um, gosh, there is quite a background of variety for me. I went to school to study dance. And my parents uh, let me know that that wasn't going to make me a lot of money. And so <laughs> that ended quickly. And then I found out kind of late as a junior in college that I was very business minded, administrative wise. I was organized, mm -hmm. but there was this creative side to me and I didn't know how to marry the two. Mm. So I finally landed as like near the end of my junior year in advertising. Awesome. So I was able to move into that right out of OU. I worked for... Uh, Jordan Associates Advertising for five years. And that was a blast. And then I moved right into home building. I was a marketing director for the largest uh, home builder in the state. And then from there, I moved to custom home building. And we were one of the fastest growing custom home builders in the nation. And as a vice president there, I decided once I had my third child, I couldn't run that race anymore. <laughs> yes. I was kind of going nuts. <laughs> I was yelling at everyone. That's what I tell my kids. <laughs> once I realized I was yelling at all my kids and my husband, I had to step away. And that's when I became a stay-at-home mom. For a little bit of time, though, in there, I stepped away from home building and I came to the church to work. Yeah. 
And I was in a little faith cocoon during that time frame. I worked for Craig as Mm -hmm. an assistant. Mm -hmm. And now I get to work for you. At 12 years, I was at home Mm -hmm. not working. And I get to work for Amy as a... I don't know if not working. She's done so much. Working even harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind of work, isn't it? Not getting paid. Working as hard as you ever have. Slobber kisses. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was fun. I love it. All right. So obviously it's the messy table and we would just love to hear a little bit about your journey and where things have gotten messy, where it's not always pretty, um, but still God has been faithful throughout the years. Yes, because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't called the messy table. I, I introduced you to my family as my current family, but my messes start with my family of origin. I'm a twin sister. I have a twin sister, but we come from like My dad was married two, maybe three times before Mm -hmm. he married my mom. My mom was married before she met my dad. And so um, he brought, I think, four children to the marriage, one of which like I hadn't even met in the last seven years. I met one of them. And then Mm -hmm. my mom brought three children to the marriage and then they had twins. So there were times when we lived with like nine people in our house. Yes. And then there were times when we lived with three people. Wow. Goodness. Is (laughs) your twin identical or no? No, we're fraternal. In fact, she's four inches shorter than I am. Yeah. (laughs) Makes it easy. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I think during that time, we moved a lot when I was younger and just the stress of having baggage, I think, from previous marriages and uh, trying to to bring all of that family stuff together and create a new one. It was Mm. just super hard on my my parents and the relationships between all the siblings trying to work out, you know, blend together. But my dad, he was the most kind gentleman. I mean, he was extremely intelligent, but he just had enormous tragedy in his Mm -hmm. life and kind of didn't work through that stuff, I guess, just didn't learn how to cope Mm. and um, just dealt with it with alcohol. Yes. So I believe, are you in a Christian home, raised in a Christian family? No, we did not go to church. There was not speaking of God or mm-hmm. religion or anything like that. Um, I remember we, we moved around a lot when I was little, when we were much younger. But I remember a neighbor taking us to church. And I remember that's one of my earliest memories in my wow, life was really? being in a church because it was so foreign to me. But mm-hmm. I remember what I felt like. Mm. So it was a good experience. It was amazing Uh, for me, you know, with all the the stress and the children in in our house and the alcoholism, my mom did the very best she can. She's a vivacious go-getter and she was doing all the things, you know, keeping us Mm. together, feeding us all the cleaning and the cooking. She had a full-time job. She was going to go to college at the time. Wow. And it was sort of up to like my sister and I as the youngest to just stay out of the way Mm. and not make any waves, don't get into any trouble. Mm. We had enough teenage boys in the house doing that already. Mm. But I remember going to church with this neighbor that took us and I felt God, you know, I didn't know how to label it, but I felt him. I knew his presence. And then later we had moved again and I was in... um, maybe third or fourth grade. And we had another neighbor that started taking us to church, asking if she could take us to church. And it was the same thing. I remember feeling God and knowing that he was there. Hmm. Um, I just always knew it was almost like a blanket where I just always knew he was with me, Hmm. even though there was no discussion of that Mm -hmm. in my home. It's powerful. 
And then when I was 12, I was at a friend's house and her mother, we were bored. It was summertime and her mother, you know, the kids come to you and they're like, I'm bored. I mean, <laughs> we were at that stage and she was going to church that evening and she said, you girls can go with me. This church, I had never seen it. Of course, I'm not driving at this point. I'm just 12. But it was the smallest little church on the top of a hill and when we went, the preacher was in overalls and he, it was, it must've been like a revival or something because my friend and I were bawling, you know, we were afraid to go to hell. That was the yes. moment of where you're you just were afraid. We're so afraid. I'm 12. Okay. And we both walked forward and gave our lives to Christ that day. And I remember distinctly being just very different from that moment on. Wow. I felt like I had a parent. I felt like I didn't have to be off to the side neglected. I had, didn't have to be out of the way. You know, somebody cared about me. Wow. And I just literally knew that I had to start making different choices for my life. There was something more than just trying to survive, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. That is so powerful. I am taking notes and I wrote down blanket and parent as descriptions of what you had received from your Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so powerful. But I'm also really hung up by a pastor in overalls. <laughs> well, where was, and it was this little what? country church? It was the country church. And what, we in what state? We landed in Oklahoma, northeast Oklahoma, okay. in a little town called Benita. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I bet there were lots of overalls. Yes. Yes. That's it so was cool. really... I never went back. I mean, that was the moment God just used that night to change my life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything past wow. that. When I started driving, I started driving myself to church. We weren't, like I said, you know, a family that went to church. And mm -hmm. I got a little Bible from that church, a yes. little, little tiny Bible. And I would start reading one chapter a night. And I just remember that God just wooed me and started just building my life, I think, at that point. When I was 11, the year prior, and I'll back up just a little bit, but the year prior, um, most of my siblings had were much, much older and they had moved out or gone back to their uh, parents, you know, mm -hmm. the other parents. Mm -hmm. And so it was um, my mom and dad, two of my brothers and my sister and I left in the house. But we came home from church when the neighbor had taken us to Easter Sunday when I was 11. We came home from church. And my two brothers were gone and my dad was sitting in a chair and he was crying. It was the first time I'd ever seen my dad cry. Mm -hmm. And my mom informed us that she was leaving. Oh, wow. And she was um, decided to leave us with my dad. Mm -hmm. And wow. so I think it was just at that moment that I realized, oh, my life isn't perfect anymore. I, you know, when you're a twin, people kind of speak into your life like it must be some kind of fun, perfect, <laughs> magical thing. thing. You're like, yes, it's like this magical thing, right? <laughs> um, and I just remember that day thinking, oh, we weren't so perfect after all. You know, wow. I'm a twin and I have my mom and dad and these, you know, big brothers that play yeah. with me, but it all just broke apart. Did and she take any of the kids? She went to uh, both of my brothers separately and had told them what her plans were and kind of said, you know, you might want to consider what your plan is. One mm. one moved in with his dad and another moved, um, I believe, with his girlfriend. They were much older than me. Mm -hmm. And so then it was from, you know, six down to three. It was my dad and my sister and I. And, um, of course, a lot of that, she did the again, the best that she knew how to do. My dad previously from his other marriages, he was just very, it was like he drew the line and he just sort of left and started a new life. Mm -hmm. So she knew that if she moved my sister and I with her, my dad would be 
in and onto a new life when we wouldn't have him in our lives. So um, she decided that maybe he would stop drinking and he would stay if mm. we lived with him. Mm. And he did. He stopped drinking for about nine months, but there was just deep depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't eat dinner for like, you know, for nine months. I remember the first meal that we had, he made us macaroni and cheese mm. and it was on a TV tray in the living room. And my sister were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you made macaroni and cheese. We're going to eat. And it wasn't that we were starving, you know, mm-hmm. it's just that the parent that's my mom did everything and we mm-hmm. had this family. And then suddenly mm-hmm. it was just, we were sort of on our own. Mm-hmm. Right. When you say you didn't eat or there weren't meals, did you like make sandwiches or? I remember eventually he got into a routine of like going to the store on Friday. So he, we would have food until the next Friday. But it was like, I remember grabbing an orange or a, a tomato. I would just whatever wow. we would, you know, be able to eat. We had like frozen bread I'd pull out and eat. Um, wow. And I ate at school. And, you know, as an 11-year-old, you don't eat much. So I was, it was kind of just <laughs> fine, mm-hmm. you know. We just, But I, I realize now, looking back, it was tough. Yeah. I just didn't um, know how to process it. Did sure. you see your mom after that? So my mom did come back. Every few weekends, she mm-hmm. would come and she'd clean the whole house. And she would mm. do all of our laundry and be there for the weekend. And... They didn't go through the motions of getting a divorce. You know, my dad was deeply in love with my mom and my mom loved my dad. But, you know, there were just these things, this huge issue of alcoholism, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just very difficult for them to work through. So I think that she just was doing the best she could Mm -hmm. to do what she could for us, too. So I did see her. Um, Mm -hmm. She moved about 45 minutes away and sometimes we would stay the weekend with her, but the older we got and getting into like junior high, I was a cheerleader and we just had weekend games or things. And so it was just easier for us to stay in our hometown and she would come on the weekends. But that's just sort of the pattern that was mm-hmm. set. So your normal was maybe a little, I guess I shouldn't even say different than usual because what is normal and what yeah. is usual, but that was your normal. Yes. And it was very apparent to me. Um, I didn't have friends whose parents were separated or divorced. Mm. This was a kind of a a first for me to see. Or if there were kids in my school that I knew were divorced, they were living with their mom. Yeah. Nobody was living with their dad. So this was very different. It was a stigma kind of a placed on my sister and I, you know, that we felt that anyway. It may not Mm -hmm. have been somebody else's story. I felt that. Mm -hmm. And not only were we living with my dad, but he was an alcoholic. But the difficult part of that was you know, I said he was he was so intelligent. He was so good with people. He was a therapist for the criminally insane at wow. Eastern State Hospital. Hmm. And so he worked with the worst of the worst. Hmm. And, you know, he carried those burdens. And um, hmm. so it's, it's not something that I um, say is okay. But I certainly understood now as an adult looking back why he... I was empathetic to yeah. why he was drinking, right? Yeah. His own tragedies and his own, right? Uh, his current job and his wife leaving and all of that. It was mm-hmm. very hard. So, Ali, if we fast forward, how did your your new fledgling faith uh, begin to impact your life coming from a family with a lot of brokenness? Oh, it was everything. I was, I felt different. I knew that um, the way I was learning about God on my own was helping me to get through. He was my strength. God plucked me out 
and set me apart Mm. from all of the dysfunction that was happening in my life. And, you know, you can tell your story two different ways. You can give the highlight reel and Mm -hmm. say all the good things about my life. Like I was dancing since I was seven. I was singing. I was performing. I went to all of the speech and drama competitions and came back with trophies. Mm -hmm. I you know, was you I a straight A student. I was loved. We had and laughter. We had mm-hmm. all kinds of family. And yes, there was success. But you can also, that perspective can shift and you can tell the dark side of those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom left when I was 11. I lived with an alcoholic. There, my brothers were in alcohol and drug abuse was abundant. There was incarceration. There was loss. I lost a brother to substance abuse. Um, Mm-hmm. In a in a car accident, you know, there was sexual abuse. We lived through a lot of dark things. But Levi Lesko tells this, uh, he gave this illustration one time where he, do you know what a life water straw is? Yep. With a filter. It's a, filter it's a little straw mm-hmm. you can drink water anywhere. Oh, yeah, it filters I've used out. it before. Yes, it's interesting. It's fantastic. It's scary. <laughs> he was actually on stage and he had toilet water and he put oh, this. No. It was fantastic. It made his point. But he said, you know, you can look at your circumstance. A circumstance doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. how you filter yeah. it. And for me, the Lord was able to filter mm-hmm. my situation in such a way that I didn't have to live with side A or dark side of the story. Mm-hmm. I could live on that side B, the light side, and know that I had God the whole time was protecting me, no matter what I was faced with. You know, I feel spoiled that I grew up knowing the Bible. I don't know. It just kind of brought me to tears thinking like that was something you had to do on your own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do have to remind you, it wasn't me. I mean, yeah. God literally reached down and saved me. Yes. And he, he used the neighbors. How beautiful is that? Yes. And Let's he, all go invite our neighbors, guys, yeah. because you never know what that little moment is going to stir in some kid. That's right. Absolutely. That's oh, right. so grateful. I don't know their names. Wow. Know? But they introduced you to the name of all names, the King of all kings. And I love that you're talking about this really new foundation for your life with everything so uncertain mm-hmm. and um, unstable and having a foundation with now a filter of all that God can do, that He can make all things new. And He did something new in your life. I remember being saved as a child as well and feeling that sense of, I feel different. I feel new. I want other people to know this as well. And yes. um, and so how has your background impacted you in your adult life, in your marriage, mm-hmm. uh, with your kids as you That's walk with them? That's a really good question because when I was a junior in high school, the stress of just living with an alcoholic father, I spent the evenings, he, my dad would come home from work and he would sit in front of the television and have his drinks and he would pass out on the couch. And it was my job to just make sure that he smoked a pipe. And it was my job to make sure that he didn't start a fire. Mm-hmm. I could, you know, turn Put off the out. TV, pour out the drinks and get him to bed. And that um, led to just the stress, I think, started to affect me physically. Mm-hmm. I got shingles when I was. Oh, wow. Um, in high school, I got mono terribly. And I started to think, I, I've got to get out. I want to get out of this. Mm-hmm. And I tried to graduate high school early. Hmm. So I went, it had never been done in my small town. It was just unheard of. We had to go meet with a school board. It was in the newspapers, you know. <laughs> and of course, I was, at the time, I was thinking, 
doesn't somebody see, Hmm. does somebody see me? I had to kind of say like, well, I'm bored. You know, I had straight A's. Hmm. I just needed something to Hmm. um, entertain me or something to get out and go to college already. But I remember thinking, no one is saying, I know why you're trying to run. I know why. Did people know? Um, Or was it a secret? There were people that knew. I mean, my dad, I remember uh, getting a phone call from him one time. He was, he drove to the local gas station and and was driving home and he got pulled over and he was taken to jail and he made his one phone call to me and he said, Al, I need you to call this person and and let them know they need to come, you know, pick me up. And of course I did it. I called him and I said, my dad's at the jail and he needs you to go pick him up. And I just remember thinking, I know people know this, you know, there was a protection too, where he was a professional in our small town and he was very liked. And mm-hmm. we, you just don't point fingers like that and say, yeah. mm-hmm. and my, my mother as well, he's a social worker. She's a social worker. They're both very successful people. And you just don't want to talk about that. It's an elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if I'm actually answering your original question, but I tried to run from it. Mm-hmm. And when I I was trying to graduate high school early and God just had a different story, it wasn't time. I finally was able to say that I was awarded the ability to take my senior English class during the summer mm-hmm. and then I could go on to school. So I had a plan to go to UCO with a friend of mine that was graduating as a senior. So she was a year older than me. And the nearest school that was offering a class of senior English was a remedial English class in Tulsa. So I had to drive an hour to Tulsa and back. Mm. So I had to get my driver's license. And I didn't have my driver's license because I was fearful of driving. I'd always been with my Mm. dad who was drunk driving and Mm. I didn't want to learn how to drive. It scared me to Mm. drive. Mm -hmm. I was always very frightened in the car. So I finally had to learn that I had to get my license in order to take my English class in order to get out of there. Gosh. You know, So mm. um, I got my license and I was driving to Tulsa back and forth and I'm 17 and it was just some of those days I just didn't make it to class. Mm-hmm. And the only stipulation with this class was you couldn't miss three times. And um, two times I skipped because I don't want to go. I don't want to drive the hour to yeah. class, mm-hmm. right? I have the highest grade in the class and I ended up flunking the class. Mm. The last day I, that I missed, I, I had car trouble on the side of the road oh. and I couldn't get there. I called my teacher. My teacher said, I'm sorry, it's the policy. You have, you can't miss. I called the principal. The principal said, that's the policy. You can't miss. So uh, I just took that as the policies. Lord's answer. Well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. The Lord just had me stay. Yeah. I just, I had to stay um, through my mm-hmm. senior year and I ended up going to OU and mm-hmm. God led me to a Christian organization on campus that I was not interested. I was an introvert. I was not interested in getting involved with, but he poured into my life during that time. I learned how to memorize scripture. Mm. Um, He brought me friends that taught me how to work through issues. Mm. Um, And he just showed me more of who he was. Mm -hmm. Since I had been trying so long, on my own to yeah. learn and understand. Yeah, you didn't have community. I didn't have a community. No, I didn't know how to follow him mm-hmm. or learn about him or study mm-hmm. his word. It was such a gift to me in college. Mm-hmm. What was so, the organization? It was the B- Baptist Student Union. Oh, yeah. Oh, the right. Union. yeah. It was so wonderful. Mm. 
So since your dad, though he was great, he also had this other side of him, this kind of wishy-washiness that was um, because of an addiction, right? So how did that make you think about God as far as your heavenly father? So I knew that my dad loved me. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the kind of person when he was drunk that would um, yell or hurt or get angry. He was the I love you dad. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was a very soft hearted person. You know, he cared for people. He was a therapist Mm -hmm. and he truly did care for others. I knew he loved me. Mm. I just hated him saying it when he was drunk. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say how I learned about God, though, was truly God. I I know a lot of people see God through the eyes of their relationship with their own uh, physical father. But that really wasn't my story because I I just was able to keep it separate, I think. But also that I know my dad really, really did love me. Um, He just was hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And that's what the situation was. It took me a long time to process that, of course. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that as a young person and those wounds were inflicted. But I will say, once I got to college and I was able to get some of those forbiddens and labels and stigmas that were on me in my small town Mm -hmm. and move away and get to college, and then I was able to... um, have success there. I was in a, a continuity group where we did dancing. And I, once I was in advertising, I was the president of our group that won our award in our capstone class. And I moved on to do an internship at uh, Jordan Associates. And every year was promotion and raise, promotion and raise. I had the top five grossing accounts as the youngest account executive there. So I just sort of was like, I am making my own story here. And I am yeah. away from, it's not that I was like, felt like shamed of my family and past, it was just so wounding Mm -hmm. and painful that I really wanted away from it. Mm -hmm. And I was learning all of this um, new life. And I met my husband and um, he had this amazing family. And I just really fell in step with that. And we had this beautiful girl. And then all of a sudden, I uh, we came to this place in our marriage when I realized that it was unraveling. I was focused on my job. He was focused on his job. We were not focused on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Gunn teaches uh, through Family ID, his organization, that you should treat each other better than your best friends. Mm-hmm. He's talking to siblings, but it's so real mm-hmm. <laughs> for your spouses yeah. and yeah. for your family members mm-hmm. and for your children and you know for your siblings. You should treat each other better than your best friends. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know how to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. because of my past and just lack of parenting and nurturing, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to communicate either. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a lot of stuffing and it just really affected our marriage. But then I ended up, I didn't end up, that God blessed us with a second pregnancy. And when I announced that, that, hey, we're having a second child, it just all unraveled. Just the braid cannot be braided. And, um, you know, I had my stuff and he had his stuff and we were not able to just come together and figure out how to make it work at that point. And, um, we separated and in the middle of a pregnancy, in the middle of a pregnancy, at the beginning of the pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I realized, I think at that time that I had, as I was living side a of my life, you know, when you look at two sides of every story, the side a I had been living and and relishing and I had run so far from side B, the dark stuff, 
mm-hmm. that suddenly when I understood and realized that our marriage was in a state, I didn't want to go back to side B. I didn't mm-hmm. want to walk through another dark negative side of my life because mm-hmm. it felt like I was catapulted back mm-hmm. to early on when I had always said there will be no button that I push that says divorce. Mm-hmm. And yet it was just very apparent that we were going to walk down that road. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I thought I don't want, you know, I didn't want the divorce. I didn't want to go down that path, but there were a lot of things that were just, you know, too many details to go into and not my place to say, but it just wasn't what I wanted. Um, so I think God, I always say during that time, you know, I had followed him and I looked at him and that we were going to church when we started hitting that struggle. I met the Holy Spirit. That's the way I think that I understand it mm-hmm. is he just showed up in a way that I'd never understood before. Mm. I was just broken on my knees trying to navigate why things had fallen apart. And God just really introduced himself to me in a very, very present way. Like I had known him as a, as a small child. Mm. Um, Like the scripture says, he's near to the brokenhearted. And that word near has a visual of very close proximity. It's not just we're sitting next to each other, but very close proximity. Absolutely. That's what I'm seeing here. Yes. As difficult as it was to be pregnant by myself. Mm-hmm. I had a two-year-old at this point. Goodness. Um, you know, and there I, were some variables that you could control and then others that you couldn't. Absolutely right. out of my control. Right? right. And this, of course, is just my side of the story. You know, just as I was younger, my twin sister would tell you a completely different story from her side. My mom would tell you a completely different story. But my ex-husband has his own side of, of this story. I always remember telling my two-year-old, um, you have a mother and a father, and we both love you very much. Mm-hmm. And I just clung to that. Um, and it was so difficult to think that my child was going to go through, both my children, my unborn child and my two-year-old were just going to go through something that I had experienced in my past. And all of the wounds just erupted mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, he was mm-hmm. he just met me. So miraculously, I saw his presence like I'd never known before. He was doing all these things that that sounds kind of strange, but they were just miraculous. I had women at, that worked at Walmart that would hand me flowers. I mean, who, what? I, who's a staff member that would just give you flowers at Walmart, especially no. Walmart? You know, I yeah, mean, that's not a kind you. place most of the time. And, <laughs> and there were just times he started showing me things like, there would be a really strange occurrence of a bird and a real precarious space. And I just would feel God saying, I see you, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. And I just came to really like notice nature. And mm-hmm. he was just, his presence was around me. I know that sounds ethereal, but I, <laughs> it really was how he was showing me that he was holding me mm-hmm. and walking me through Give you it. That comfort. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was my comforter. He was still my blanket. Mm-hmm. So you were a single mom? I'm a single mom. I'm pregnant for nine months. And in the state of Oklahoma, um, once it was just very apparent that we were going to get a divorce, you cannot get a divorce if you're pregnant because the baby has to be born. 
um, you have to work out visitation and such. So we had to work, walk the nine months and have the child be born. He's my 17 year old now, you know, I just Mm -hmm. adore him. And then we had to work out that visitation, which was at the time was nuts because I'm nursing Mm -hmm. and you can't like, you know, you're so it was just as difficult for my husband as it was, it was for me to figure out how sure. do you get the baby and I'm nursing and mm-hmm. how do we work that through. It was a very messy time. It took about two years and six court dates to get everything worked out. My husband and I at the time, we, we just weren't on the same page of what we were asking for. And um, I know, though, like just just to bring up at that time, I was Craig's assistant. I was working here at the church. I fully believe that God brought me to Life Church to put me in a faith cocoon and surround me with a community of believers wow. to mm-hmm. love me and walk me through. No better place. Yeah. Oh, it was wonderful. And like the final day of my the decision of visitation for my children, the entire staff stopped and was praying here at the offices while I was at court. And when the decision came back that the judge wanted um week on, week off. And at that time, it was not common for kids to go week on, week off. Mm. I was devastated. And, you know, and rightly so, both of us wanted our children as much as we could. That's Mm -hmm. why, you know, we Mm -hmm. were advocating for I wanted standard, he wanted half and half. And Mm -hmm. that's okay now. So even though I did not want my kids to be gone half the time, you just only look at that and see how is an entire staff of a church praying for you? And that's mm-hmm. the decision made. Well, that's because the Lord had ordained that that was what was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And my kids are fantastic. You know, mm, yeah. we've walked through some terrible messes. It, it's been painful and wounding as anyone who walks through a divorce knows. And you never want that for your kids. But I just wouldn't change a thing. And it's mm. remarkable for me to say that. But as much as I've seen my kids struggle going back and forth and feeling like they're never in one place long enough, mm. you know, they each know the Lord. And yeah. that's my greatest blessing. He has faithfully walked with them just as he's walked with me, just mm-hmm. as he's walked with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And they know they're loved. They yeah. know they're loved. That's right. And their daddy's a believer. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. He and his wife serve at the church and so um, we're in a, a great spot and there's redemption there for the, any of those families that are walking through. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say I learned a lot. You know, I learned how to communicate through that time. I learned how to identify feelings mm-hmm. that I didn't understand how to do so um, beforehand. I would just say to any woman out there that is just struggling through that, it's very important to learn how to um, forgive yourself and the person that has, you know, that you're walking through a mess with, mm-hmm. not just in a married situation, but a blended family. In a blended family. Oh, it's, yeah. Chris Bill gave this phenomenal message one time about pulling the bitter root of our heart, and it just wrecked me at mm. the time. And I realized I thought I had walked through a lot of. Uh, forgiveness, but there are just layers, continued layers um, that you have to walk through. And I would just say to anyone in any difficult situation to always know that you need to work on forgiveness Mm -hmm. and do the hard thing and work through your issues. Yes, do the hard thing. You have to do the hard thing. Address the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. because we've made, um, have just like my dad, we've worked through like tragic things in our lives and we're so hurt, but we're responsible for our part in that. Mm-hmm. We're responsible for how we respond to those tragedies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
John Powell wrote a book called Happiness is an Inside Job. And he says that growth begins where blaming ends. So we aren't mm-hmm. on this earth for ourselves anyway. Mm-hmm. We're here to love God, point people to Him, and love others. The best thing we can do, right, is work through our issues so that we can be pure of heart and help other people love Him and love others. That's so good. So you're saying it, it doesn't help you to play the victim? <laughs> And actually, I know I'm teasing, but what I'm hearing here is so much of a new filter, the God filter, and that is a faith filter because of this relationship with Christ that you have. And so, Allie, just unpack with us, why are you able to be so positive Hmm. in your view of all of these things and so trusting, trusting of God with the story of your life, your children's lives? Um, What is it about your faith that has changed your view? I think that I just saw so many messes. I mean, messes that I can't even really say. They aren't mine Mm -hmm. to tell details about that I did not want any part of it. I didn't want to go down those messy paths. I was subjected to them. Mm -hmm. But if I participated in them, I just would have been as unhealthy as what I was seeing. Right. And so I knew that for God's sake and him in me, I could reach for something different, Mm -hmm. for something that was healthier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny when I, and, and there is redemption in my story. I told you I've, I'm married to the greatest man in the world. And I'm, I'm serious when I say that. I don't just say that like it's fun to say. He has, uh, he has loved me so well. And I couldn't love him in return had I not walked through those messes in a healthy way. We learned together that we were to make healthy decisions in every area of our life, mm-hmm. spiritually, physically, financially. And that just stays in the forefront Mm -hmm. of our marriage, that we are called to make healthy decisions. And I don't think that God wants us to be unhealthy. He calls us to a pure life, to be Mm -hmm. holy like He is. Um, That's not easy. It's Mm -hmm. not easy because I easily could have just chosen the unhealth that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do. It's the harder path to choose health. Um, It's very difficult. Well, I just love that your story is so much there's redemption on the other side. So there's redemption on the other side of divorce, even if it's something that you didn't want. There's redemption on the other side of addiction or Mm -hmm. of sin or the other side of obsession to people pleasing, like no matter what someone is dealing with right now and maybe feels stuck or feels hopeless, there really can be with Jesus redemption on the other side, which man... (laughs) We all just want to cling to that, right? Because it's the truth. We can cling to it. That's right. Oh, Allie, I want to highlight that you just said that it is not easy. It has not been easy. And sitting across the table from you, I see and I also know a woman who has so much determination. You keep your eyes on Jesus and you want to live a life that's pleasing to him, but it isn't easy and it hasn't been easy to to make these choices because, yes, you've had to choose to focus on what the Word of God says to guide your life. Mm-hmm. And so just for a minute, could you just speak to us and our listeners something to encourage them in their storm and their hard journeys of how to do something that isn't easy, but it's right and it's healthy? Your perfect isn't God's plan. Hmm. His perfect for you is you looking like Jesus. Hmm. Wow. He doesn't want you high and mighty with this shiny exterior 
he wants you low and meek with humility, loving others because of his work in your heart. Hmm. And that may take you being poor and abandoned and neglected or mocked, abused, robbed and afflicted before you surrender your self-reliance and pride. But God works in us so he can work through us. We're here to love him and love others. We're not here to love and elevate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say is that you have to be your own cheerleader. You can talk to yourself like you're giving yourself a pep talk. Mm -hmm. I think so often in my life, I wanted somebody to guide me. I wanted somebody to talk to me and parent me and nurture me. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have that. Even when I was in rough spots, I wanted someone to just rescue me. Mm -hmm. But I realized I can't look to people to feel that. It's only the Lord. He created us. He's watched us from the womb on. He's there every moment. He never leaves our side. And just like David encouraged himself, Mm. we have to encourage ourselves. And we think all the time anyway. We might as well think positively. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that being a Pollyanna made it (laughs) any easier for me to walk through anything that I I Mm -hmm. face. But knowing that, of course, those words that I was cheering myself up with was the Word of God. Well, we talked about this before hitting record, that our confidence isn't in ourselves, but it is in God in us. I mean, that's what He says. He's going to use us. Mm -hmm. And so we're slapping Him in the face. We don't believe it. You know, we're believing that He really is working even in me. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, because often I believe that He's working in you and I believe that He's working in someone else, but sometimes it's the hardest to believe that he's still doing that in me. And one thing I 100% see in you, and I know our mutual friend Cindy has said the same thing, is that you are just such an overcomer. And your Mm -hmm. life theme is basically that, like perseverance and overcoming. And Mm -hmm. no matter what has been handed to you, you know, we've all caused our own mess, but at the same time, things that you were handed that weren't fair. Yeah. That you have gotten back up again and with God that you truly have not only persevered, but now you get to encourage others who are in those trenches, who are in Mm -hmm. a really dark place. And you might be able to tell them, like, I know this wasn't what you wanted. And I know this wasn't maybe even your choice, but like God is good. Because we get to choose our response. No one can take that away from us. Um, It's a choice for us to make how we respond to any situation that is what we get to do. We get to choose. That's our part. We get to choose. So choose this day whom you will serve. Mm. Amen. Choose the Lord. Make it count for Him. That's so good. Um, It's cool that as you were sharing a moment ago, and I, I don't even know the exact way that you said it, but it was something about life not being perfect, not uh, how did you say, say it? it again? Life isn't going to work out how you want it to. Your perfect isn't God's plan. Yes. But that. His perfect for us is to look like Jesus. That's what He wants in us. Yes. Our perfect isn't what God's plan is, but He has something else in mind. And it just took me to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said something so countercultural, we can't even grasp it because it's so unusual that blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm, right. There's the kingdom of God. Blessed mm-hmm. are those who mourn. They're the ones that mm, will receive the comfort. Yeah. The meek are those who are blessed. Those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness will be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful. They were the ones that received the mercy. Yes. And the pure in heart and the peacemakers are blessed. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And 
and it just goes on and on in Matthew 5 is Jesus telling us that our stories of brokenness, when we filter them through and have been set apart right. in the story of the gospel of Jesus as our Savior, right. it's a blessed life. It's a blessed mm. story Yes, because he becomes the perfecter of everything that was wrong and broken. And that's really what I, you know, see in you, like, and I feel like mm. uh, Jen nailed it with Allie, you being an overcomer. Mm. And um, and we all are because of the power of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and what he's done. Overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony. Yes. 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 Yeah. Even Such if that testimony word. is so rough. <laughs> That's so <laughs> well, good. What Amy was just reading too. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Yeah. Well, we don't need a comforter unless we need to be comforted. Yeah. Right. And so we don't get to experience that truly unless we have a need for that. And again, it's not that God necessarily wants that for us, but we do live in a broken world and he does want to be our ultimate comforter, which is just... Amazing. Or blanketer. Blanketer. That's right. <laughs> yes. I also want to share how uh, God blessed me with being able to come full circle with my dad. He moved to Texas to take a job. And at this point of retirement, um, he was having some difficulty. And we discovered that he was experiencing dementia. And so he moved to Oklahoma, uh, just a block from my sister. And we then discovered he had Alzheimer's. So there was a lot of feelings that were arising that we had realized that we now are responsible for caring for my dad as um, someone with Alzheimer's. So eventually it came to a point where he kind of, well, he acquired cancer three times. We went through cancer and eventually with medication and Alzheimer's, he sort of stopped drinking. He forgot. Mm-hmm. He kind of forgot that that was in his life and it was mm-hmm. it was a, a huge blessing. But I went through a lot of emotions because now that my dad was sober, he had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd mentioned he was so intelligent. It was something that I really enjoyed talking to him when he was able to talk to me, how smart he was and how many stories that he could tell me. And it was just um, a real blow to me personally that God would allow such a situation. Mm-hmm. But I had the joy of learning more and more about him. I would drive from Edmund to Shawnee every weekend and spend the weekend caring for him. He had home health and caretakers and such, but I was able to spend the weekends with him in the last year and a half of his life. And it was just a beautiful reconciling mm-hmm. of redemption there in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And God did showed he know me that you were his daughter at he, that point. He did. He knew mm-hmm. to the end there was a lot of things he did not know, even food. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never eaten this before and it would be potatoes and mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. a challenge for sure. But what was interesting is some of the stories that were coming out as Alzheimer's, God clearly showed me that he knew the Lord. Oh, it wow. was something that he had never shared. But early on in his life, he was 40 when I was born, and mm. it was very private. You know, whatever happened before my life it was very private, and he didn't talk about. And I suddenly started hearing all these stories of him in church, and God had showed me very, very clearly a verse that said that my dad was clothed in robes of righteousness. Wow. And there were moments when Dad would ask me to read the Bible to him, and I was like blown away mm. and never heard. Wow. There was a moment that he actually shared the gospel with me <laughs> in the last year. So I just it. was like. How do you know this information? I mean, it was something that was never shared with me in wow. 40 
three years. I'd Seeds never planted heard. that finally bloomed. And they did. Mm-hmm. They did. So it was Love a beautiful story knowing that he was going to meet God when he passed and he's gone six years this month mm-hmm. he's gone. And so it's just, I'm, I'm okay. Looking back at everything. I know where he is and who he's with. Wow. Mm. Oh, Allie. Oh, I just want to, Let's just keep talking. Let's for just the, hug you. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep here listening to you for the rest of the day. I'm just so thankful that you're sharing um, this part of your journey with us. And I think we need to transition, though, sadly. Would you mind just sharing with us some resources that have been valuable to you? And then we want to finish off with a word of encouragement. Absolutely. I, I, when I was working through some of my issues, once I got through college and some of my first marriage, I found a book called Happiness is an Inside Job by John Powell. And it was so eye-opening to me. That was when I started to learn that it was up to me to work mm-hmm. through my own issues. And I just highly recommend that. It's an mm-hmm. older book, but it is mm-hmm. so pertinent. So to, it's taking ownership, obviously, under the umbrella of the Holy Spirit. But yes, taking and ownership. Not, not looking to somebody else to mm-hmm. create your happiness. Mm-hmm. Not that it's up to you, but it, it's biblically based too. But it was mm-hmm. just so eye-opening to me. Also, I think for any relationship, it is very important to read Five Love Languages by mm-hmm. Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. I will recommend that all day long to know yourself and others. Um Anything by Paul David Tripp, especially the book Suffering, mm. um, that met me in a really, really dark time. And I just appreciated that one so much. Also, Jay and Catherine Wolf have written two books, Hope Hills and Suffer Strong. Yeah, I like them. We should oh, have her on. She should, please. I would love <laughs> to hear her strong. more wisdom. Ooh. It's a very, 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 very um, helpful book. Both of them. Hope Hills was first that just really... Turned me upside down on how to walk through. Well, their story is amazing. Absolutely. And the way that he has just served his wife through yeah. disability. Last book I would recommend is Unexpected by Christine Kane. Mm. Yep. Anything yes. by Christine Kane no, is yeah. just puts you on fire. But that <laughs> yes. one really was super helpful to me. And then, um, so I'm a big audiobook listener. And so I definitely want to plug Version Audio. Just mm-hmm. turn your Bible app on and hit play. And just great. start anywhere, yeah. you know, it was so yes. good. But one of my best plans that I love about that is the Bible recap. I'm doing it. Are oh, you? I love yes. it so much. Did Terribly you do it last cobble. year? Or no, this is it? my first year. Awesome. So we're oh, probably about neat. on the same day. Yes. It Sweet. is so great, for um, especially for me, an audio learner. I love listening to the Bible. And then I she recaps it for you. And the whole thing is audio. So yes. I'm doing. And kind of helps with some of those confusing pieces. Yes. Or, hey, the Hebrew actually means this. Or, yes. And that's a Bible plan? It's a Bible plan, but it's a year. It's, it's basically year going through the Bible chronologically and then she does a little six, seven, eight minute Bible recap on the section you've read separately. Yes. And so you kind of get a, a little extra highlight on some My of those things. My list is getting long here. These are so good. Always the Bible Project too. Mm. The Bible oh, Project yeah. is a phenomenal organization and they also have a uh, version plan that you can go through the Bible and then they insert all their videos. You can watch every book of the Bible in mm-hmm. their video. Like a highlight. And you can also, what we did for my son was he is dyslexic, so he doesn't read well. We found their YouTube channel 
And we just started at Genesis. And the next night, he and my husband would sit down. They'd do Exodus and then Leviticus. Awesome. They used to watch the whole Bible by the Bible Project videos. I love That's the Bible Project. Yes. Uh-huh. And it made him feel so confident. They also do like word studies and all mm-hmm. of that. So my, yeah. my son has really benefited from them. That's so good. Um, Did you know that the Bible Project has a Bible Project podcast? Yes. It's like the behind the scenes. It's like an hour podcast of how they get to those little three minute videos. They're no, like talking through it. It's that's awesome. great. I, I felt it. like I subscribed and then I didn't watch it yet or listen to it yet. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. that's my next dishes and laundry day. It's yeah. going to be their podcast. Well, a final word of encouragement that I would just love to give anyone who benefits from my story is you can do this. Mm. You can make it. It mm. doesn't matter the handful of cards that you're dealt. If you have a handful of low numbers, just don't fold. Mm. God can do more than we ask, think, or imagine. I just pray that you would seek Him for strength and guidance and just play life with the cards that you have. Mm. It's all Him. Don't fold. That's a word. That's so good. Allie, thank you so much. We just adore you. Thank you. I adore both of you. I appreciate you. you so much. Well, I have so many notes scribbled down, so many takeaways from this conversation. One of which is when Allie said, God works in us so He can work through us. And another was just, goodness, how many people God stirred along the way to draw Allie to Himself. Multiple neighbors who invited her to church. Those churches and other Christian organizations that had no clue what was happening behind closed doors, but they faithfully poured into her when she needed it most. And the friends and coworkers who prayed her through extremely challenging times. It reminds me that we need a village. Really, we need a church. And it reminds me to listen to those nudges and act on those promptings, even when I don't fully understand. Well, friends, don't forget, all of the resources mentioned are linked up in the conversation notes. You can subscribe for free wherever you like to stream. And we'd love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And as you head back into your week and into your world, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.